It is a joy to be able to come to you this morning to speak to you on this last Sunday of 2021. To serve this congregation is an honor and a blessing to both Kathy and me. These days it's especially a blessing to be able to gather here to worship God, whether in person or, on, or online together through the live stream. It's been a long period of turmoil during these many months of COVID and social transitions. We are forced to take precautions, yet we can still be here together in some way and celebrate the glory of God through songs and prayers and the reading of God's word. Each week, we renew our faith through worship. Most of our weeks gives us anxiety. The news of the world gives us messages of fear and uncertainty. I hope today to direct your thoughts toward a perspective on faith gleaned from the word of God. Each day, each year, we have unexpected changes in our life. It tests our faith when our lives have been so disrupted by massive changes. Living and facing the storms of life, which test our patience, we need to seek out peace and strength in the promises of God. Let me begin with a passage from Job and a quote from his friend Eliphaz. He said this, People are born for troubles readily as the sparks fly up from a fire. And he was right. In this world, trouble is certain and trouble is relentless. Life is dangerous. In fact, there is nothing more certain than the fact that we are all going to die someday. That is one certainty of this life. And in this sense, life is a terminal illness and trouble is relentless. But life is a fatal condition. But sometimes there are things that happen that frighten us beyond the normal sense of finite life. Each year, 60 million people die. 15 million of them die from heart disease. 10 million of them die from cancer. 15,000 children die every day. 4,000 people die every day from accidents on our highways. And 50 million people died in the Spanish flu epidemic in 1918. The greatest of all Holocaust, though, was the Black Death in the 14th century, when 75 million people died. In the history books, there are vivid descriptions of daily life in the, 1400, in the 1348 through 1349. They describe mass graves of plague victims packed like cordwood in municipal plague pits. Daily collection carts winding through the early morning streets to pick up the previous day's dead. Husbands abandoning dying wives and parents abandoning dying children for fear of getting sick. Outside of the towns, there were roads packed with panicked refugees, ghost ships crewed by corpses, and feral children running wild, orphans, with no one to care for them. For a moment, in the middle of the 14th century, millions of people across Eurasia began to contemplate the end of civilization, perhaps the end of humanity. And we could be thankful that, although we have some difficulties, that we don't experience anything to that degree. That in comparison to that pandemic, we are in a much minor state. But we live in a culture that is without faith, and every concern, every fear is magnified. For those who do not know the Lord Jesus, who do not have hope after death, and it's reasonable to fear anything and everything, their view of the world seems out of control, and their effort to find security from the uncertainty each day brings, they struggle and seek out that security 
in any way they can to support their needs. For a Christ follower, the Bible is a place we can go to find comfort and strength in the promises of God. To help and remind you of this, I have selected some passages to encourage you. Scripture is God speaking to us and teaching us not to worry. Let me read a few passages and please listen to their messages as God's promises and take them to heart. The Lord is a shelter for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you, for you, O Lord, do not abandon those who search for you. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. And then in the New Testament, humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that, you're a f Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering that you are. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, and strengthen and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Such protection is promised to God's people. And in many areas of the Bible, God repeats it again and again and again. In many passages, God repeatedly declares his commitment to the protection and care of those who are his, so that they will live out their days in confident faith. God will protect his chosen people. God speaks to us through his word about the anxiety of life. The list on this slide is not complete, but just to illustrate the abundance of references available through reading God's word. And today we're going to look closely at the encouragement, trust, and care of God for all believers Jesus spoke of in his Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, and listen to what the Lord Jesus has said. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these." But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious for tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day 
is its own trouble. Three times in that passage, Jesus says, don't worry. Looking at the Greek behind the text, he is saying, don't worry, stop worrying, and don't start worrying by changing the form of the verb. If you're worrying, stop. If you're not yet worrying, don't start. And generally, just don't worry. Don't be anxious. The term anxious has the idea of excessive concern. Jesus is saying, don't be concerned for your life. Why would you worry about your life if you belong to God? Don't be concerned about your temporal life, meaning that what you eat, what you drink, and what you wear, that's your daily life. And don't be anxious for things concerning your physical life and your necessities. You are in the kingdom. You belong to God's kingdom and you are a child of God. He will make sure that you have all you need. Don't worry about what you will eat, what you drink, or what you will wear. And we have so much and yet we feel so poor. Today most of us choose what to wear out of a large closet of options. And we have such abundance of food I'm sure that most of us yesterday had too much to eat and drink and are suffering a little today because of it, amen? Very different in the ancient world and in the time frame of these words from Jesus to the crowd, food and drink and clothing often caused deep concern to ancient people. Jesus' counsel was very relevant to those who perhaps had nothing but what was on their backs and had to wait to the next day to see if they were going to have a meal. Food was a preoccupation and a source of worry, whether you were rich or poor. And in the burning summer heat in the land of Israel, the streams would dry up and water would be a grave concern. Even clothing was by no means automatic. In Proverbs 31, where the godly woman is making clothes for her children, you had to prepare food, you had to find water, and you had to make the clothing. And they didn't have sewing machines and food processors. This was a life preoccupation. It's just sort of a survival level for most people. But it was a daily struggle. Jesus is reminding us, don't worry about your life, your temporal life, eating, drinking, and clothing, because life is far more than food, and the body is far more than clothing. You've got to have a bigger perspective and get beyond what's physical. This passage reminds us in our worries that God our Father will care for our needs. If God cares for the birds... Do we need to stockpile and hoard, ignoring the promises of God and forfeiting a carefree heart? If the birds who can't plan have their needs met by God, I mean, I've never seen a bird out plowing a field, will he not also meet our needs? And are we not more important than the birds? The simple reality is the question on the end of verse 26. Are you not worth more than they? This is an argument from the lesser to the greater. For God created birds and animals, but he also created us as the crown of his creation. And if God cares for the birds, do you think he's not going to care for you? Life is a gift from God. He sustains life. He has designed us and destined us for his mighty plan, and he will sustain it. And since God is the giver of life, and he has given us life, he will sustain that life. You didn't create yourself, you didn't plan yourself into this world, and you didn't put yourself where you are. God gave you this life, and he will sustain that life. Verse 27 says, And which of you, by, eat, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? 
The actual Greek is who could add a cubit or 18 inches to their lifespan. But the intention is we can't make our life 15 minutes longer or 15 minutes shorter. For a fallen society, the anxiety of death is also causing people to focus on their health in the extreme. People make incredible investments in the health arena. I never cease to be amazed at how many medicines, commercials, natural drugs, and concoctions are being offered to people to sustain their health. And Jesus is saying, you can't worry yourself into a longer life. But you can worry yourself into a shorter life. Worry basically says, I don't trust God to provide, so I'm going to worry. Worry about my health. Worry about my body. And it affects our body in many ways. It affects our circulation, the heart, the glands, and our whole nervous system. Worry can reduce our ability to fight off disease or heal our body. And worry is the enemy of a healthy life. Jesus refers to the Gentiles. It is a blanket term for those outside of God's covenant. He's telling them, you're not outsiders. You're not like those who have no healthy heavenly father. It is faithless to worry when you're not a part of those who should worry. Why? Because they have rejected their heavenly father. Because they have no hope and no promise. And they have turned against God and God is their enemy. But not us, not us believers. This is what the Gentiles do, he says, and the verb is very strong to say that they eagerly seek some way of protecting themselves, and they live for that. People outside the kingdom of God live for what they eat and what they drink and what they wear. The pagans in a Christless world, those who do not acknowledge God. They have reason to worry about their supply because they're on their own. In fact, those who reject the true God have created gods of their own, false gods, and thus they have violated the first commandment and are under judgment. They have no guarantee of the next breath. They have no promise of a protector, no one to care for them. The people of the world seek these things, and right they should, because they are on their own. They need to worry about food. They need to worry about drink, and they need to worry about clothing. They need to worry about their 401k and how their car runs and where their house is and what they should be doing to keep the roof from leaking. So apart from God, they end up serving money because that is the only protection they think they have for their security. Earlier in the chapter, right before this passage, verse 24, it says, You cannot serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. But the world has made its choice. They will not serve God, but they will serve money. Money is their God, and they rely on it to protect themselves, to provide for themselves, and they pursue it with all their powers. That's the real reason people chase money, because they have no supernatural protector. One way to say it would be that they have no invisible means of support that we do. Ask yourself, do I face life like a Christian, like a member of the family of God, or like a pagan, someone who has no hope. When things are difficult and I'm a little bit unsure, how do I react? By fear or doubt, as if it all depends upon me? Or do I react with joy and confidence because I know it's in God's hands? It comes down to how the Apostle Paul viewed life. I would point you to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18 where he said this, That is why we never give up, 
Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them, outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. While everyone else is looking for the visible means of support, because that's all they have, we have more. We can find contentment and rest in the invisible means of support provided by God, because your Heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, and He will care for you. All worry either assumes that God is not there, or that God does not care, or God is there and does care, but he can't do anything about it because he lacks the power. He is either unaware, indifferent, or impotent. That is the judgment of the world on God. But that is not what we know from Scripture. In our passage, in verse 32 and 33, it says, Your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, and all these things will be added to you. God knows. He has the power to provide. He knows and he has full awareness and the power to provide everything we need. God does care. God does know. God does provide. Now, I find a lot of comfort from fear and anxiety in some of the songs we sing, especially the hymns. For example, our God and help, our help in ages, ages past, our hope for years to come, our shelter from the stormy blast, and our eternal home. Under the shadow of your throne, your saints have dwelt secure. Sufficient is your arm alone, and our defense is sure. How often have we sung that hymn? How many times have you sung, Great is Thy Faithfulness? Do we take it to heart, or is it just something we sing and walk home afterwards? You probably can't even recall the number of times we've sang so many hymns like this that give us encouragement and comfort in God's provision and God's strength. And like most hymns or most spiritual songs we sing, it comes from Scripture. In this case, Great is Thy Faithfulness comes from Lamentations chapter 3, written by Jeremiah. Listen to what it says. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never cease, for His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will have hope in Him. The Lord's mercies are new. How often? Every morning. Why would you worry about tomorrow when the Lord's mercies are new every morning? Worry is a powerful force. In our humanity, it can steal our joy. It can rob our contentment. And it can destroy your testimony with the people in your office, in your neighborhood, and in this world. It can fill you with anxiety and fear. And we are susceptible to that anxiety when we are focused on the world, the horizontal, instead of the world to come, and God, the vertical. Reading scripture reminds us that our future is in his hands. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Don't push your fears into the future. God will give you strength for each new day. His mercies are new every morning. Fear is a liar. Fear lies to you. Fear tells you that your future is not under control, and that's a lie we know from Scripture. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will care for itself. You've got enough trouble today, and the Holy Spirit will help you deal with that. God will be there in the future, Hebrews 13.8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, 
today and forever. Don't cripple the present by worrying about the future. You only destroy your joy and waste your time instead of living fully in the moment each day. Worry is incompatible with the fact that God is your father and you're a member of his eternal family. Your future is completely cared for. Let the pagans worry. They have no protector. They have no promise. But our hope is in the Lord. We are not spiritual orphans. We're not spiritually homeless. We have a home and we have a father. He loves us and cares for us. And he meets every need we have. All he asks is that we love him and obey him and serve him and not worry. Because worry declares that we actually don't trust him. And we should and we do trust him. But what, we, what do we do with this conflict where our mind understands and trusts in God's provision, but yet we still have anxiety in our heart? That's the time for prayer. Prayer is another way to manage our fear. Prayer reminds us that God knows our needs and cares for our needs. Prayer can change our hearts and give us peace from worry. God does not want us to be anxious. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 Tell us to give our anxiety to God. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Matthew 6, verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. All physical necessities will be added. Everything you need now, and everything you need in the present, and everything you will need in the future. That is the one positive command in this whole passage. Three times a negative command, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. What sets worry aside and what takes it away from your mind and heart is to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. It's a positive instruction. It tells us that we have something we can do to deal with our anxieties, to deal with our worry. And I would give you three things that I have taken from this passage that may help you when we face these anxieties and these worries, when our heart is troubled, what to do with it. These are three tools that will help you with worry and anxiety. Three ways to change your perspective when you're looking at the horizontal and you need to be looking at the vertical. Three ways to seek his kingdom. One, reading God's promises in scripture of his love, of his provision, of his promise for care. And to bring our worries to God through prayer, praying daily. Three, singing Christian songs and hymns which are taken from scripture. The songs remind us of our time together singing those songs. And the songs also remind us of the promises of God through the scripture revealed in them. These three things can aid our response to fear and bolster our witness. Our confidence is in God. And we need to be reminded of that every day. His love for us. He is the ancient of days. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Our God is the creator and a sovereign ruler of not just this world, but the entire universe. He is our only security in this uncertain world. Let us pray. Our Father, 
We confess our little faith. We confess our weakness, our lack of trust in you. We confess that we are smitten by anxiety. And we pray that you will give us a deeper faith in your providence, in your care, and in your sovereignty. Father, we thank you for your word. This is a helpful reminder from the lips of our Savior himself in this passage from Matthew 6. These are not secondhand promises. They are your promises from your word. And your promises are to supply our needs and to, and to be our dwelling place, our hiding place, and our security, our refuge and our strength. O oh God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. Thank you, Lord, that we have nothing to fear and nothing to worry about, and that for us to live as Christ and die as gain, to be grateful and faithful, trusting that you will sustain us to the end as your witness to a fallen world, that our faith in you would draw them to your grace and magnify your glory in every day and every interaction. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.